Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. And we are live here on the February 8th edition of the MMA Industry Podcast. I am, of course, James Lynch. And I've got a special guest today, all the way from Egypt. She's joining me here. First female guest on the program. I am joined today by Farah Hanoun. She, of course, is doing some great work over at the Sports Journal. And she covers, of course, mixed martial arts because that's why she's here. Farah, how are you today? I'm doing good, James. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. It's honestly an honor. And I've seen all the previous episodes and all your work. So it's an honor to be here. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. And I should say uh, thank you for joining me here this evening because it's actually about 8 o'clock your time in Egypt. Um, You know, how we we talked a bit about this off air. You know, how difficult is that trying to coordinate interviews when you're uh, in a different time zone? Uh, Really difficult, to be honest. But, uh, of course, I have to cater for the fighters. Uh, They're kind of training three, three, four times a day. And I understand a lot of times they'll be driving somewhere or driving back from another place and so obviously I have to cater for their time. For me to make it work, uh, it's probably past midnight is when I start my interviews that way. Uh, I'm kind of comfortable and I know that they'll, they'll be available for it as well. Uh, midnight and I kind of put a probably a midnight to a 3 a.m. time slot just so I don't end up uh, staying a bit too late, which is not even that much of a problem for me. The problem is I've had a couple of occasions where an interview would be scheduled like 5 a.m. and I'd be up until then and then a fighter just forgets. And uh, yeah. of course, I can't show my frustration. So I'll be like, sure, no problem. But And they, they probably don't even know it's 5 a.m. in my time. And it, it gets a little tough and frustrating. So I kind of put a uh, time frame from whatever o'clock to maybe 3, 4 a.m. tops. Uh, that okay. way, if it doesn't work, then we could reschedule for the next day or whatever. So I guess that's the way I do it. 
Yeah, you're a trooper. I mean, I, that that time is just like completely out of my realm. Like, I, I would like the opposite. I, I, you know, I'm a morning person. If I could do interviews at like six in the morning, that would be perfect. But, uh, but yeah, I know that that's interesting. Um, so, you know, usually off the top, I, you know, I say how sort of I know my guest, and uh, you and I have never met, and uh, I, I don't know that much about you. I mean, I'm familiar with your work, and obviously, you do some great stuff. You know, with the breaking news and and the interviews. It's like every time I check my Twitter feed, you're doing another uh, big big name interview. Um, but uh, but you know, I, I got got to ask, you know, do you ever make your way out to North America? at all as far as you know whether it's uh, going to events or even just coming out in general i haven't uh yet uh, i'd love to uh, and i'd love to make a massive trip out of it because it's pretty far halfway across the world but i'd love some time to just go for at least a couple of months do east coast west coast just get a lot of work done uh yeah. i haven't gotten the opportunity yet but i'd absolutely love to and it's definitely my plan in the future but I, so, so Europe what is, is what, yeah. what is the what is the plane ride uh, from from Egypt to, uh, to sorry where you're based in Egypt to uh, to Las Vegas is that like what, what's the plane time for that? I'd say you'd probably have to do Cairo Frankfurt and then Frankfurt LA and then LA Vegas I guess so it would have to be wow so with the layovers <laughs> and all that probably I I don't mind the long flight but it's just uh, if I'm gonna go all the way there I'd want uh, like a nice couple of months do I might as well like fly all the way there do do East Coast. Better West Coast, all that kind of thing. Yeah, and and get lots of content too. I know that's one of the reasons I love doing International Fight Week every year is because you get the two events. So the amount of content you're going to get is just uh, is just awesome. But uh, we can talk about that a little bit later. Uh, first, yeah. uh, you know, again, first time I've had you on the show, and, and first time we've sort of talked. Where did that interest begin as far as uh, you know, falling in love with combat sports and covering this uh, you know this crazy sport we have? Uh, MMA in general as a fan, I'd say probably back in like 2008, 2009. Um, it was my brother and my cousins. I, cr- I grew up with guys pretty much uh, my whole life. So whatever they were into, if I wasn't into, I'd be left out. Uh, so I'd spend my summers with the guys. So they, they were watching. Uh, it started with pro wrestling and then eventually into MMA. And they'd be watching it. So I'd watch it with them. And it was a time, like I'd say, George St. Pierre, Leota Machida, Anderson Silva, those guys. Um, and then Matt Serra. Uh, Matt Hughes and you got all those guys and um, I was watching it but I wasn't like an avid fan so I'd watch it in and out and not live uh, because obviously the timing uh, is probably from 1 to 8 a.m. is when the fights air and you'd have to be a pretty diehard fan to do that Um, and I used to do that with the NBA but at that time I wasn't that big of an MMA fan so I'd have to watch their repeat and all that but I'd probably say uh, the first fight that I really got into the whole thing like the the press conference, the promo and all that was Sun and Silva one. And that's oh, just because cool. okay. my, my cousin was showing me all that promo stuff. And obviously, Chael was doing his thing. And it kind of reminded me of pro wrestling because that's what I used to watch when I was a kid. And he was showing me how like how MMA could also be like that. And then you had Anderson, who's this legend, and Chael, who's like trash talking and all that. And he showed me all the press conferences. And it wasn't Countdown. It was like primetime or whatever at the time. And yeah, it really gets you into a fight, whether you like combat sports or not, like that kind of thing, it really gets you into it. And I guess that's how they call the casual fans, like they get them into it by showing them this kind of stuff. So that's when I was really hooked on to like the result of a fight, like being so intrigued about what happened. So obviously I watched it live, like uh, we stayed up until like 8 a.m. We all gathered together and obviously the way the fight even found out was insane. So yeah, it uh, certainly was. I, what what a nice introduction. That that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like the first time where I was actually like an avid fan. The others would be like I'd watch random fights, um, like UFC seventy seven and all that. That would be just like random. But that was the first time I watched it as like an avid avid fan. 
Very cool. Uh, now, I keep seeing that you're from Egypt. That's, you know, ignorant, or ignorant of me, I should say, because that's like saying, hey, he's from Canada and Canada's huge. So <laughs> it's uh, one of those things. Where exactly are you from, uh, for those who don't know? Uh, and, and, you know, what was sort of it like uh, growing up there? Okay, so I, I was born and raised in Egypt. Um, my father is Palestinian, my mom's Moroccan, but I was born and raised in Egypt. Uh, pretty regular upbringing, I'd say. Like, uh, played a lot of sports growing up. Uh, played uh, football or soccer, as they, some people call it. Uh, did Taekwondo a bit as a kid, gymnastics, ballet, like you name it. You know, a typical kid that tries all the sports. And then I'd probably say that around the age of like 13, 14, I got really into basketball. Uh, like I, I wanted to be a pro basketball player and that's all I kind of did just uh, spend 85% of my time on the basketball court and probably 15% doing homework <laughs> and like it just kind of went on from there and funny enough like when I wanted to start writing because I said to myself I'm like when it reached a point where I felt like I wasn't going to become a pro athlete I said to myself if I can't write my own story I wanted to write somebody else's and that's kind of what how I got into into writing and trying to be a journalist and interviewing people and honestly the goal in the beginning was to do it with basketball not MMA um okay. yeah so what it was the idea I started out with Instagram so I, w- I wasn't even on Twitter uh I started with an Instagram page uh it's called UFC News Alerts and yeah, what I've I seen do that. Is, it's huge it's a huge account <laughs> thank you uh what I did was like I just like stay up watch the fights, update people with results, any fight announcements. Uh, I didn't have any scoops or any of that back then. It was just, uh, I was very informative and not just like be on top of everything. And uh, it started out with that. And the I, I got that idea actually from a football page uh, that I used to follow. It was in Arabic. And uh, they used to do that basically. So they'd put all the results. So let's say it's like the Premier League today, like whatever, Arsenal win, um, Manu win, Chelsea win, and they'd put all the results. And I liked that concept because it was very useful for me as a, as a football or a soccer fan to have a, an outlet like that. Because nobody, like a lot of people don't like to read. Uh, like you put yeah. a lot of words that they, they're just not going to read it, especially if you're not somebody that's established in the industry. Uh, and obviously at the time I wasn't. So I got the idea from football. And I wanted to do a basketball, but then there was something about MMA that was just so intriguing. Um, like it's such a fast growing sport. Being a girl uh, in the Middle East, uh, it's just so rare and different. And I'm like, why not? It's like, it's challenging and it's different. Like basketball, I'm sure there are plenty of pages out there on Instagram and plenty of journalists and stuff that cover it. So I said, let's go for something different. So I started with MMA and obviously I had no idea what I was doing. I <laughs> just like post random pictures and I didn't even get the concept of crediting. Like there are photographers out there. There are journalists who break the news there. I didn't get any yeah. of that. Like I was just like slapping pictures right and left. And uh, yeah, like I got quite a big following from it and it started to grow and grow and grow. And I kind of used that to branch out into my journalism career, basically. Very cool. That That's interesting. You said a lot of interesting things there. Um, one of the things I wanted to know, did you go to uh, like post-secondary for uh, for writing or anything like that? Did you do do, uh, do any schooling or anything? No, no. Uh, in high school, I'd say that pretty much the only good things I was at was sports or writing. That's it. Like nice. I hated everything else. Uh, I actually used to write a lot of poems uh, in school. Uh, and that was funny to people because they're used to me like being on a basketball court or being like playing sports. Like they found it really odd that that I used to write and poems and they were so deep and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, like I remember I won like a whole school poetry competition. And my parents were so freaking proud. Like they never like the sports stuff was cool. But for them to see that side of me, they were so proud of that. And that's when I kind of like 
got an interest in writing, but I wasn't really like poetry wasn't really my thing. Uh, so basically when I went to university, I graduated with a degree in communication and media arts. I went to university in Egypt. I went to the American University in Cairo. Uh, I graduated with a degree in communication media arts. Uh, but the problem with that was I did a bit of everything, but very basic. So yeah. very intro classes to everything. There wasn't nothing concentrated, uh, which was a shame. Uh, the only class that, that I really wanted to continue was kind of like TV and broadcast, but it clashed with the rest of my classes and I had to drop it. So I never really got the experience I wanted to out of like camera and editing and writing. So I only took basically intro classes, but that's when the interest started to grow more and more. See, that's interesting. You and I have a very sort of similar backstory then, because uh, I initially wanted to be a, a hockey reporter, you know, typical, stereotypical Canadian uh, right here, you know, yeah. wanting to, to cover hockey. And then I got into MMA. And then same thing with me. I actually graduated with a communications degree as well. But I remember like partway through my program, I'm like, this is way too much like theoretical stuff. I need to get the hands on. And so I actually yeah. went a step further and, and went to college and did like a two year television broadcasting program where I learned how to edit. I learned how to be on camera and all those things. So I, I was lucky in that sense sort of learn that but uh it's funny to see the differences between uh you know uh, post-secondary education because uh i know for some people it works but, um, you know a lot of people that i graduated graduated with in university a lot of them work for the government i mean nobody's even close to doing anything to sports so i, I find that uh, kind of interesting um do you remember the first uh sort of like whether it was a written piece or or anything like that that, that you first did uh, sort of early on uh that you sort of put you know uh, pen to paper and, and was it for like an outlet or was it just your own site uh, it was kind of like a blog, um, and it was what I would do is like I'd watch a, an event and I'd do like a play by play, but way too much of a play by play, and I'd end up writing so much, and I'd get the biggest headache because the event would finish, and I'm up until like 10 a.m. I'm like nobody's gonna read this, right? Like I'm like I don't know why I'm doing this, but like I didn't even because there's a certain way to write when you do a play by play. Like no, I, it's like I'm not gonna be like he hit him with a right jab and, and did this and that. Like it was way too informative. And I feel like that kind of writing helped me understand that like too much isn't necessarily better. And I, that style of writing isn't even what I want to do. But I did start out with that where I break down an event and just completely break down every little thing that happened in the fight and every single fight on the card. And there are people who do that, but there's a certain style of writing you got to do for that without boring people and boring yourself in the process. Yeah. So yeah, like, sure. who's, I'd uh, work, was, yeah. Who, who's um sorry, sorry, go ahead. Um what were you saying, sorry? No, I was saying that was like the first writing I ever did. Yeah. Gotcha. Um now as far as uh you know mentors, whether it was people, you know, that you were reading their work, who who's sort of some of the early people that you were sort of checking out and trying to, you know, maybe not emulate, but just uh, sort of learn from? I wouldn't say uh, there's anyone specific in terms of a journalist or anything like that, but I say like something that helped me a lot growing up uh, that even improved my English because I wasn't uh, a kid that read a lot like of literature and stuff like that. I'd only read when I have to for class, but actually commentary uh, when I listen to the NBA, uh, when I watch the games and stuff, I used to pay a lot of attention to commentary and I'd learn a lot of words from the way they describe things. Uh, so actually, that helped me a lot, uh, watching whether it be uh, basketball or football or whatever. Uh, even pro wrestling, that's funny enough. I learned so much about America in general from pro wrestling, like just <laughs> okay. the, the different cities and states, like like Brock Lesnar coming from Minneapolis, Minnesota, that guy's here. And it's like, because obviously, like, we don't get educated about that. And even here, like in Egypt, I only learned American history in, in university. Uh, in high school, I went to a British school, so we 
uh, would learn about like French and, and British and, and a lot of other history, but it's not American history. So uh, it's like I learned about all these different states and cities and stuff like that just through like television, really, just like watching sports and all that. So I feel like that my vocabulary got a lot better from watching this stuff as more than it is reading. Okay. What about like websites? Like when you first started sort of covering the sport, were you, you know, going to MMA junkie? Were you going to some of the American sites or were you, were you going to other websites as far as, you know, getting your news and getting information? Yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably like, I don't remember specifically, but it must be like MMA fighting, MMA junkie, MMA okay. weekly, bloody elbow, all those. Like, yep. Perfect. See, I was a sure dog guy back in the day. That's what I used to read. And then of course, junkie. I was actually, I remember reading MMA junkie when it used to be UFC junkie. That's how long ago it was. Uh, they they ended up it. switching it over. So, uh, so, you know, I'm not like a total old G, but I definitely remember uh, seeing, <laughs> seeing uh, the, the early days of that. Uh, what about the first fighter you ever interviewed? And, uh, you know, were you nervous at all doing that, uh, you know, doing it for the first time? Uh, first, cause I actually, for the longest time used to do interviews through email, just questions, oh, not okay. call. I definitely didn't have the confidence for, for, for a call for a long time. So the first fighter in terms of like through email was Patrick Cote, uh, Canadian. Oh, cool. Okay, nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was really cool for me at the time because I actually remember uh, messaging him. He followed me on Twitter, uh, I guess, because I used to post a lot of updates. So some fighters actually used to like that. They, they, they used to like follow me for that purpose. And one time I decided to DM him and ask, and he said yes. So I remember I was on the basketball court and – because it was the outdoor court and my hands are all dirty and, and I hear my phone buzzing and it's like, it says Patrick Cote on the screen. I'm like, no way. And I pick up the phone and he's agreeing to, to, to do an interview. So I remember that. That was my first like written one. Our first call uh, was Mickey Gall, actually. Um, and I was super nervous. And funny enough, because at the time, Mickey Gall hadn't fought anybody yet. He was just signed to like after, um, what's the show, Looking for a Fighter. Uh, he had just signed. So he was so confident. <laughs> I'm like, this kid hasn't even fought in the UFC yet. And, and he's so confident. And I felt like in a way he was trying to comfort me in the call because I sounded so nervous. And I was, I laugh about it now because I'm like, I was supposed to be the journalist, the reporter, and, and he's just signed to the UFC. He's somehow like kind of comforting me in this call. So that was funny. So he was my first call interview, actually. And I was super nervous. Interesting. What about your first, uh, first media gig uh, as far as like an outlet? What was the first one you started working for? I actually never worked for, for any outlet. Like right now I write for a sports journal. Uh, basically I met the site just started. Uh, I met the guy at a show in a brave combat federation in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I was there writing the piece for an outlet. I don't work for them, but I was writing one piece. Uh, I interviewed Chris Cyborg and I was doing it for them. And uh, I met him there. And then after that, I found out that he was opening a, a, a new site. It's a sports site. So I said, why not start writing? Because I, I really do want to stay in touch with the Middle East and, and the MMA scene there as well. That's important to me as I grow individually. Uh, so I thought it would be a good idea, but I actually don't write or, or work for any outlets. So I do a pretty much a lot just on my own. Interesting. Yeah, because I know you do a lot of stuff on SoundCloud. That's actually where I hear a lot of your interviews. You'll yeah. you know, post an interview right away or whatever. Um, when did you start doing that? Because I, I mean, I've seen it the last little bit, but it seems like you're doing very so much recently. more now than before. Very okay. recently. Uh, and, and it's still not like I still got to like tighten up on the professionalism, so to speak. Um, but yeah, very recently, I thought it was a good and fast way because what would happen most of the time is that when I'd be done with an interview, it's already like 5 a.m. And if I start writing, I'm not going to sleep. So I, I, I 
go to bed and then I'd get up and then I'd have to do it. And sometimes like if you interview a fighter and they give you a couple of interesting pieces of information, you want to put it out there. Uh, you don't want to sit on it. It's the MMA world. A fight could get canceled in 12 hours, you know, like you could be talking yeah. to somebody about a fight and it can get canceled. So um, the SoundCloud thing is good because it like, I don't have an editing background and I'm trying to learn and play around with it quite a bit, but SoundCloud is good because you don't need to do any crazy editing because it's just audio uh, so I found it a good way to kind of put it out there quickly, but that's definitely not the way I'm going to go down the line. I'm I'm still learning. Eventually, I want to get it on YouTube and kind of sharpen up all my editing, but that's uh, taking it step by step. Great. Well, hit, hit me up after the show. I can give uh, give some advice because I've uh, I you know done a fair bit of editing in in, in my time. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's actually yeah, it's it's once you sort of get the hang of it, it's it's pretty seamless. That's why you know people ask why I do so many interviews. It's because I can edit really fast because of, you know just the experience I've had and whatever. But uh, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, was there anyone that sort of um you mentioned you know watching NBA and things like that? As far as the style you have of when you're speaking on air, because I'll be honest, when I listen to it, I, I really enjoy it because it comes across more as like a conversation than an interview. And I think that's what people want. They want the fighters to be at ease. They want to, you know, get them, uh, you know, get the most honest answers out of them. Um, would you say sort of watching the NBA broadcast is sort of where you got uh, your style or did that come from somewhere else? Um, I'm not sure where it came from, honestly, uh, but it probably, I it sounded a little silly, but I've always been like amused by like interviewing and all that stuff. So when I was a kid, I used to have this microphone. I don't even know why we had a microphone because nobody in the family can sing. But we used to have this microphone and I ripped off the cord, so I ruined it. And I used to run around and I'd like, kind of with my brother, I'd like fake interview him all the time. So I used to, it was always something I used to like to do. But I'd, I'd be annoying with him about it. Like I'd act like he had the worst game of his life, like shooting wise or something. But like I'd go in with that approach. And of course, that's probably something that I used to watch on TV or I'd emulate. I don't particularly remember who I'd be emanating but like I'm pretty sure by watching a lot of that it's just something that I'd paid a lot of attention to stats and commentary and that not just the the game or the fight or the match itself uh, so I, yeah I probably do emulate somebody I just don't know who but I probably like got a bit of everything from everyone very cool um, I, th- I think most people watching this will probably remember you uh, even before your interviews when you started really breaking news. And I remember uh, there's been a couple occasions where I've seen, you know, MMA fighting like source you. And that's a huge deal. I mean, in, as far as, uh, you know, breaking news goes, that's sort of the pinnacle is getting, uh, you know, uh, a mention from a, a huge site like that. Um, when did that sort of start? Was that sort of the I mean, I imagine that was sort of the first thing you started doing was the breaking news or was it the writing? What sort of came first? Actually, the, the writing, the interview came a lot before the breaking news breaking news i wasn't intending on doing it It kind of just came happen naturally uh just more connections in 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 the sport and in the industry really and uh it started out i can't even remember what the first one i broke was but you kind of get a bit addicted to it in a way but um i started getting a bit too focused on that and i got away from the interviewing and i wanted to go back to that so it's kind of like it's something that just comes like sometimes they'll come right one after the other and then there'll be a long period of time of nothing, but it's not something that I necessarily seek too much more than it happens naturally. Uh, sometimes I don't expect it. And then it's like, I have to go confirm a couple of sources cause you get afraid like that it's not true or, or, or whatnot. So uh, it kind of happens naturally, to be honest, it's not something that I, I pick up my phone and try to go crazy trying to find something out. But uh, that's a during breaking news. But in terms of, pinpointing certain things i do try to keep an eye on social media and all that as much as possible uh that helps with not necessarily breaking news but pointing out something that somebody didn't see 
more like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and it's it's a really tough uh, it's it's a really tough gig. Um, I had Nolan King on last week, who I think's uh, another guy, another person in this industry who's yeah. doing such a great job with that. Um, the both of you, I, I should actually say, I, I think that that's that's a part of the reason why I wanted to get you on this week. I, I think both of you are sort of the future of of this, uh, you know, working in this industry. So I'm I'm happy to have you both Thank on. You. But uh, but the uh, but the breaking news, I mean, it's a tough gig because if you're wrong, yeah. people hate you forever. If you're right, though, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the, the the credit is well deserved. Um, how did you go about getting sources? Was it just through your interviews or how did you sort of, you mentioned the social media, keeping an eye on that, but as I, I guess you just sort of developed sources as you were doing the interviews. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, pretty much that. And then my social media helps me get the interviews, which helps me build the source. So it kind of goes, it all starts for me from my Instagram, to be honest, like that's where everything started. But the problem with that is I'm not under my name on Instagram. So uh, I'm pretty sure half these people I communicate with me probably think I'm a dude, uh, which <laughs> happens to me all the time. Uh, funny enough, uh, I interviewed Alan Joban, somebody you spoke to recently, and he was so baffled. Uh, he's like, I thought you were a dude from California. <laughs> and I was just laughing because <laughs> like, like, he had no idea. And that's how half the people uh, I, I communicate with, they just don't know that I'm a girl. Even though I'll say my name and I'm like, I don't know, maybe it's not a name that's popular in America or maybe they didn't even pay attention to the name. But I get that a lot. Like a lot of people think I'm a guy, a guy that lives in the U.S. And I just don't find it relevant to jump and be like, by the way, I'm a girl, like unless there's like further communication and all that. But it all started with Instagram. Like I I have pretty solid follows on Instagram that kind of helped me. No, that, that's, yeah, that, that certainly helps too, uh, I guess, you know, having that uh, that big fan base or whatever, well, the, the following, I should say, and, uh, you know, having a lot of resources there. Um, it kind of brings me to my next point. You kind of touched on something there. Um, you know, people surprised that, you know, you're a female working in this space because there, there aren't a lot of, yeah. uh, you know, women who are covering uh, mixed martial arts, uh, you know, especially not full time. Um, you know, why do you think that is? Do you think there's just not an interest there or do you do you see it as just that, um, you know, you really have to be dedicated to this and it's just MMA is not a, um, what's, what's the word to put it? It's just, it's one of those things you really have to love it because the payoff's not incredibly great in the end especially financially 100 it's a i'm pretty sure nobody goes into this like with the intention of making like so much money or, or whatever it's a passion thing 100 and for me personally like i said i hope that i grew up with guys mm-hmm. so uh it, it definitely helped but yeah you have to have 100 like passion for it and in terms of girls i guess I don't know. It depends like how they get into MMA. So there are some girls that I see on Twitter uh, that, that are like upcoming journalists and stuff like that. And that's really cool. I get happy to see that, uh, to see a lot more girls covering the sport. But yeah, I'm not quite sure what it is, honestly. Well, I see some people, I've seen this question posed you know, a bunch of times, you know, why aren't there more women uh, covering MMA? And I, I see a lot of people suggest that it's because outlets aren't giving them opportunities. You know, what do you think about that? Or, or do you think like we just said there that it's just an interest thing? I don't know. I mean, because I, I feel like I haven't gotten the opportunity that I want yet, but I can't 100% say it's because of this or that. Then, like, okay. I don't know what it is. Like, uh, I guess I'd have to ask the outlets themselves. But maybe if certain girls feel that way, I don't know. But uh, I do notice, like, maybe if you look at MMA junkie and MMA fighting, they don't have a, a lot of girls uh, covering the sport. Only recently did they have a couple, actually, MMA junkie and stuff. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it's something you could ask them next time. No, 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 I definitely will. I'm going mean, to, there, there's so many uh, women I want to get on this show that do, then that's the thing. Like there's so many, I do see that are covering the sport. You know, uh, you got Amy Kaplan and, and Nicole Bosco yeah. at Fansided. You've got Jade Morris at Yahoo Sports. Sports. Um, you know, it's just, there, there are women covering the sport, but they're just not in, on those bigger sites that you see. Like, like, you know, Fernanda, who does a great job at MMA Junkie. MMA She's Junkie, sort of yeah. one of the ones that sticks out because she works, um, you know, for Junkie and obviously does some, some great work as well. So uh, I think there are, 
people out there. It's just a matter of getting those opportunities. Because I even remember back when I first started, uh, you know, getting into the sport, uh, Loretta Hunt was sort of the, the big one as far as, uh, you know, a female covering MMA. And um, I know there hasn't been too many after her, but I think I think things are starting to change a little bit. And hopefully, yeah. uh, you know, we see we see more in this space, because I think the most important thing is, uh, you know, having good representation and also just having, uh, you know, a different opinion, uh, maybe, maybe on certain things and a different perspective, because, uh, you know, I think it's any any different opinion is uh, is good for the sport. So. That's, uh, yeah, that's my two cents on that. Um, on, on the kind of on that same note, has there been any challenges, you know, being a woman, do you ever get any, you know, fighters disrespectful or any, any sort of uh, people who maybe don't give you the respect you deserve? I wouldn't say fighters. Fighters have been great, to be honest. Like the MMA fighters are some of the nice, some of the nicest people. Like it's, mm-hmm. uh, they're great. Probably uh, people or fans of the sport for sure. Uh, yeah. uh, they, they could be, but they're kind of like that with everything. You can't, uh, you can't stop them. You can't control them. You just have to block them. And uh, sometimes, like, because I, I like to do, like, kind of live videos on my Instagram feed, and I'll get the occasional five, ten people who are being a little stupid. But if you comment on it, you're giving them what they want. So you just brush off. Yeah. And, See, I talked so, yeah, to Sean yeah. Ross Sapp about this. He was the first guest here on the show. He's the managing editor here at yeah. Fightful. And, uh, you know, just about social media, how you sort of handle yourself. Because, I mean, I get people telling me I suck all the time, but I can only imagine it, it would be, you know, a million times worse being a woman just because you're going to get the sexual references and all that, you know, garbage and things like that. And it's much easier to do on social media because, uh, you know, these people are, are behind an anonymous uh, profile. I like doing the mute thing because I think with mute, <laughs> If you yeah. mute someone on Twitter, uh, they don't know that you've muted them. So you can just ignore them. And if you block them, it shows that you get under their skin. I'll only block someone if they're really like tagging my outlets and starting to be really ridiculous. But I think mute is the way to go as far as uh, dealing with people. But don't even reason with them. That, that's sort of my philosophy on trolls. Is that sort of your way as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, actually, because some people would jump and defend as well, which is pretty cool. Uh, like, if I'm doing one of these live videos, somebody will be stupid and then somebody defends. I'm like, all right, they're doing what I in my head want to say but I'm not gonna say so it's like perfect so uh there are you know I guess it gets like the more and more I try to establish myself I guess the more respect I'll get as as a female but regardless no matter what you're still gonna get a few people doing it because I see I see it with other uh journalists and they comment on it and it's like I never want to but sometimes Mm -hmm. I can't relate to them in their specific circumstances like maybe sometimes they just can't take it anymore because this person's been bothering them for weeks or whatever so yeah. And and on that same note, who who would you say you sort of associate with a lot as far as, uh, you know, people in this industry? Um, you know, I know there's so many people on Twitter, I'm sure you talk to all the time or, you know, other social media platforms. But is there, you know, is there people you sort of talk to on a regular basis, whether it's, uh, you know, throwing advice their way or maybe getting some feedback? Um, I don't know, like, I don't have somebody specific. I do commute. I'll say this, like people on Twitter are awesome. Like the people that I've communicated with, like Nolan, you had on your show, uh, there's Marcel, uh, he's over at the Netherlands, yourself, so many people, everybody's been so great and, and supportive and that's super surprising for me. Not that I expected the opposite, but I just like to see, I'm like, I'm talking to people that are all around the world doing their thing. And we're all talking about this one thing in common being MMA, but everybody's been so supportive and, and just really nice and offering advice. And even when they want to say something like, I remember I had this tendency when I first started out, like I didn't really understand the way the whole crediting thing worked uh, because I wasn't planning on being uh, some a reporter. Like that wasn't even my plan. Like I was just putting out there and then somebody would message me and be like, by the way, it was this person that, that broke the news. I'd be like, oh, all right. Like this was new to me, but it's mm-hmm. just the, the way they do it was just really nice. So you can't even get mad at them. And then they're kind of like, 
helping you and, and teaching you and helping you grow, but everyone's just so nice about it. And I was just really surprised with just everybody on the Twitter community, all the, all the journalists from the different websites and stuff. Everybody's really, really nice. And it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. And I talked about this with Nolan last week. I feel like there's sort of like, you know, tiers in this industry and, you know, you got the bigger outlets who are, you know, all good, you know, buddy buddies. And then I feel like there's this other tier with, you know, a group of everyone, like I put you in that category and myself and, you know, the guys over at MMA today and, you know, flow combat and fan sided. There's all sort of like a, you know, a kind of a community in some ways, I'd say like people helping each other out, whether it's retweeting an article, you mentioned Marcel. I love that guy. He's always, you know, retweeting my stuff over at MMA DNA and he's doing some great uh, interviews as well. So it's nice to get people like that and, and getting people to connect and i mean hey that's why we're here today is because you know i saw your work i started following you vice versa and that's that's how we made this happen so i think there is as much as social media can sometimes be a bit of a cesspool as far as some of the people on there the the positive side of it is you are you know creating these relationships and this networking and it's uh really sort of helping people get better i'd say because you know what i to be honest like if i see uh, if i see you know you do an interview or someone do an interview it's like damn i you know i gotta get on that i gotta i gotta do this or whatever it's it's motivating you know and i like seeing I, i watch as much content as i can just because because, you know, for me, then I know what's out there. I know what people are doing and I can figure out, you know, what works for me and what doesn't. And I think uh, that that's the beauty of, you know, this day and age, because, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, it, there was so, so limited uh, media. And now it's just, you know, it's everywhere. There's a million different MMA websites and it's cool to see uh, all the different stuff that uh, people are doing. So that's, uh, that, yeah, that's my cause... little rant on that. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, because for me, back home, I don't have anyone to really talk to about this. Uh, obviously, my friends aren't into MMA at all. Uh, my brother is into it, but he, he, he lives abroad. So I don't get to talk to him as much. I don't have people like whether in the, in the, whether in the MMA industry or just big fans of the sport that I get to talk to or share ideas or share excitement or any of that. So I feel like Twitter is kind of that community that I get to do that with since I don't have anybody back home. So that's why I I do appreciate uh, all the people that I've gotten to know through Twitter or social media. And that's going to be my, and, and I was going to bring that to my to sort of my next question, you know, how much of a challenge has it been, you know, covering the sport with the crazy hours you work and also, you know, trying to have a social life? Um, it's very easy to get sucked into the vortex that is, uh, you know, MMA social media. But, uh, you know, you got to step away sometimes. And, you know, you mentioned playing basketball and things like that. How have you sort of adjusted to that? Uh, it's a little difficult. I'm not going to lie. Like my friends get pretty angry at me because I'll skip out on so many outings. And uh, what happens is like if a fighter is free at that specific time that we're going out as a group. I do prioritize the the fighter interview. That's just the way I've always been. I have to because like it's it's easy to tell a fighter like I can't do this time and then maybe if you try to reschedule to tomorrow it never happens. So I'm not in a position to act like uh you know like you're going to go by my schedule. So obviously I have to go by the fighter schedules and uh cuz for me it's kind of like the second half of the days where anything really happens. So cuz there's like a 7 hour time difference between uh, me and in New York or Eastern time and 10 hour Pacific. So really the news and just anything starts to happen. I'll probably say starting from like 6 p.m., 7 p.m. That's when anything starts happening in the in the MMA uh, world, so to speak. So, yeah, a lot of times I, I don't get to, to go out or socialize. Uh, I mean, today, like it's a Thursday today. So basically the, the weekend back home is a Friday, Saturday. Oh, uh, interesting. So okay, Thursday, I didn't know that. Yeah, so Thursday would be... Uh, the day I'd go out, maybe th- Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday are the fights. Uh, I'll play basketball in the morning, and then uh, I want to get back home and 
the fights are going to come and I want to maybe take a nap because sometimes it's so hard to stay up until 8 a.m., especially the fights aren't super entertaining. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, so yeah, like some days I just, it's like, people know that I'm not going to be available and that's a Saturday and that's, and then Friday I try to see my family a bit. And then during the day, it's just kind of like on social media or interviewing or writing or just doing so. Yeah, it is, it is hard, but it's, it's manageable at the end of the day. Yeah, it certainly is. I don't know how you do uh, your, you know, book your interviews or figure out time slots, but like I have to use like my Google calendar. Otherwise I'll forget or I'll like, you know, I have to really like my wife has to have her schedule synced up with mine. So we know like, hey, I have this amount of time to do this. And and I know what you mean. Like I had, um, I won't mention the fighter, but I had a fighter that I had to reschedule six times because this particular fighter kept canceling on me and I really wanted to get the interview. And uh, sometimes you have to sort of adjust as best you can, but it can be difficult at times. I'm sure you're coming to late. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's what I was telling you, especially when I'd have interviews sometimes at 4 or 5 a.m. and the fighter would just forget. And it's kind of like for me, it's like you have no idea how difficult it was for me to stay up. I'm exhausted. Like I I want a night to sleep for once. And obviously I can't tell them anything. So I'm just like, yeah, sure, no problem. And then sometimes the interview would never even happen. So that's why I'm like, I'm done doing interviews. And then sometimes it's like, they'll be like, I'm really sorry. I need to go to the chiropractor or I need uh, physiotherapy or I'm finishing up at the gym. And that's okay because that's life, right? So that's yeah. why I can't schedule an interview at 5 a.m. Because if they tell me, like, I need to go to a chiropractor, can we do it in an hour and a half? It's like, it'll, it'll become absolutely insane for me. And uh, so, which is why I kind of put, uh, what I do is I tell them, like, I'm good up until, like, 8 p.m. Eastern, which is 3 a.m. my time. And then if they're late for an hour, it's like 4 a.m., it's like, fine, I can push to that. Uh, and, yeah, I, f- wow. I, I reckon that's the best way to go about it without, like, going crazy. Okay, fair enough. What, what's been sort of the craziest hour you've ever done an interview? I remember I had to interview um, Angela Lee because uh, she was in Hawaii and it just it was the only time I could get her. And I had to do an interview at like, I think, two in the morning, Eastern time, uh, which was crazy. And I'm sure you've had a lot worse. But what's sort of like, yeah. have you done an interview at like four in the morning before? I'm sure. Oh, you yeah. Have. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how it was in the beginning when I yeah. would put zero consideration into to my time. Because the funny is like people would tell me it's like, you've got a day too. It's okay to tell them that it's really, really late for you. And in the beginning, I was just excited that these people were accepting uh, the interviews and I didn't know them. And for them to say yes was big enough for me. So I didn't care if they told me 6am, I'd say yes. And then eventually when I, there's better communication and they got to know me better and stuff, it became easy, especially if it's a recurring, like if it's like the fourth time I interview this person, then they understand like, uh, so yeah, I've done interviews at 6am, 5am, 4am, 7am, like all, all sorts of, uh, timing, but now I try to push it to like four or 5am tops and 
and try to go to sleep. And and one of the things you sort of touched on there is, which is something important if you're doing interviews, and I encounter this all the time, is sometimes a fighter will like, like I had an, an, an issue yesterday where I, you know, I scheduled the time, did the reminder, did everything. I, I go to get in touch with the fighter and they're like, oh, I'm at the doctor's. And it's like, well, we, we talked about this. Like if there was an appointment or something, give me a little heads up. That's why I send the yeah. reminder or whatever. So these things happen. But I mean, um, you know, what, something you sort of touched on, I think is important to, to anyone watching is, you know, you got to keep your cool. You got to, you got to be professional. Like I will act like the nicest person in the world to that person. Oh, no big deal. Whatever. Like, meanwhile, they don't know my wife's like super mad that I missed dinner because I had to reschedule yeah. something like it's important to do that just because you never want to burn any bridges. And as 100%. much as MMA is a big sport, it's uh, it's still small. You know, people talk and uh, trust me, there's been many times and I've wanted to tell a manager or a fighter like what the heck and tell them to, you know, F off. But you, you have to be polite. And I think, you know, that's something you, you've described here is it's, it's very key to do that to sort of keep those relationships. Yeah, hundred percent. You can't, you can't show them that you're upset or that's the thing I was saying, like you have to kind of cater to, to their day. Uh, eventually when you get to know them better, it's like, there could be consideration to your day as well. But in the beginning when they don't know who I am, it's like, it's not important to start telling them that I'm halfway across the world and all that. Like they're, they're not going to care. Yeah, no, for sure. And and I think I think the other thing too is that you know you have to remember that um, you know j- just because uh, you know if you go through an experience of, of a fighter where it's just such a pain in the ass to do the interview, like I won't even bother. Like unless they're like a huge name, maybe I'll make that little extra effort to be like, okay, if they keep canceling, whatever. Because there's certain fighters that I interview where you know, I just hold my breath and hope that they show up on time. Usually, you know, it can, it can be some problems, but there's some fighters that I just won't even bother because it's such a hassle. And it's like, you know what? I'd rather give my time to someone that actually wants to do the interview and understands the importance of like, you know, the promotion side of things and all that than someone who's going to make things like extremely difficult. Like I'll tell you this, and I've talked about this before in the show, there are prelim fighters that you would think they were, you know, Conor McGregor as far as representation. And it's like, come on, let's work yeah. together here. We don't need to make this too complicated. So I'm sure, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced that where it's just like uh, yeah. loopholes and loopholes. Like I can only do this time or I have to do, you know, like just, just ridiculous uh, sort of, sort of things just to do a simple interview. I'm sure you've experienced that. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think in my head, I'm like, I'm like kind of giving you a platform to say what you want because the way I think about it, it's not that I'm a big name and you're getting to talk to me. It's more like sometimes people don't like to be so vocal on their own, so they don't want to go on a Twitter rant. But if I interview you and I ask you who you want to fight next or give you that platform to speak and then you retweet it and put it on all your social media platform, that's what's important, right? For your fans to see. So it's not a matter of you're talking to me. Like it's not, it doesn't matter who I am. The idea is I'm giving you a platform and I'm asking you questions without maybe you coming off as, as arrogant where you're on your own going to be like, all right, I want to fight this guy next. I'm giving you a platform where I'm putting you like, all right, you were put in a situation to say who you want to like fight next. So it's like, I'm giving you that platform. And yeah, sometimes I do get surprised with fighters that may not be those massive names and uh, they'll be really, really difficult to, to get for an interview. And I'm, I think about it, I'm like, I'm giving you a platform to kind of say what you want and, and, and share it with, with all your fans and people that follow my work. So I don't know. Yeah, I definitely get that. And by the sounds of it, as far as how you get your interviews, I imagine a lot of it's through Instagram because that's something I'm still like my Instagram's more of just, you know, me posting pictures of my cat and my food and, you know, my son and <laughs> yeah. things like that. It's a, it's not really like I don't put a lot of my interviews on there just because I feel like Twitter and Facebook are sort of the, the juggernauts. But it sounds like you've kind of mastered that, especially with your your huge following on your Instagram account. Yeah, because that's my UFC. Definitely not my personal one. My personal one's just personal one. But like the the UFC one. Because sometimes I don't even know who follows me, to be honest. I'll get really surprised. Like, I'll randomly post a story. So I'll put my article up as a story. I do that a lot. And I'll be like, swipe up. So I love that new thing where you swipe up. So I'll put that. And 
it's like seen by, and then I see this super popular fighter. I'm like, wait, do they follow me? Sometimes they don't. Sometimes I guess they're just like lurking. And sometimes they do. I'm like, that's so cool. That person follows me. So I have like direct contact. Like most of the times they won't agree to an interview. But if I ask them these little things, like I heard that whatever, like you're injured. Somebody said you're injured. Is that true? And then they'll be like, yeah, I hurt my knee. So I'm like, all right, that's a piece of information. This person's hurt their, their knee. And then if I talk to somebody else and they'd be like, I'd love to fight this guy. Like, Actually, I spoke to that guy and he told me he's got a knee injury. He's not going to be ready until the summer. So it's just these little things that allow me to be really informative mm-hmm. um, about just different aspects. So it's just these little things. But sometimes these like superstars or whatever, like they won't agree to an interview. They'll, they'll answer yeah. everything else, but just not the interview part. But I still find it cool that they, they talk to me or like go back and forth with me for sure. Now, do you uh, deal directly with the fighter usually, or do you go through like a manager in, in a lot of cases as well? Cause I, I kind of have a mix. Cause uh, some like, yeah. honestly, the first thing I'll do just as professionalism is I'll check their Twitter and Instagram and see, are they represented by such and such? If they are, then I'll go that route first. If not, then maybe I go the direct route, but uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of how I do it both uh if i'm not aware of who their management is like if it's not clear because some people will put that on their twitter and instagram if i don't know who their management is i'll go directly through them if uh some a lot of fighters put their contact information as their manager so that's a lot easier because then you just go directly through the manager then yeah sure but uh instagram like i'll I'll message i'll dm a lot Uh, sometimes they direct me to their manager and i prefer that because it's more organized it's like more guaranteed that that person's actually gonna like follow because then they then their manager gets to trace them not me like their manager exactly. gets to and, my, yeah and and the manager's paid to have time management whereas I, you know some fighters unfortunately i mean you know they, they just don't they don't have good time management or they don't remember which is why i always send the reminder so i agree with you there sometimes it's a it's a lot easier sort of going through the manager and one advantage i'll say with instagram is a lot of them you can send direct messages to whereas twitter ever since they put in that feature where you can't dm everyone it's been a little bit more difficult so yeah, I, for, yeah. for me it's you know, I'll check Twitter first. Do they follow me? Yes or no. If they don't, uh, you know, whatever. Like, well, yeah, first is the manager route, then then the person directly. And then I have to go through all these other social media stages to figure out how I'm going to get a hold of them. But I'll be honest, I haven't had that much luck with Instagram. I don't know what it is, but uh, I find that Facebook and uh, and Twitter have been sort of my best bets as far as, uh, you know, if I have to go directly to a fighter. So I have tried Facebook, but I don't know why I'm just not getting that success that I want. Um, I just, well, it could I be, tried, it could be but... you, know, you know, there's that whole thing on Facebook. If you're not friends with someone, it goes to their like. Letters I've messaged that I just haven't heard back from. And then there's ones that get back to me right away. So it's kind of uh, hit or miss that way. So there you go. Talking some trade secrets here as far as uh, anyone wants. <laughs> so that's good. Um, we, you know, obviously uh, you've, you've done a lot over the last couple of years as far as the work you've done. What's sort of been the one moment for you so far in your career? And I know there's so much more you want to achieve, but uh, that it was sort of like, uh, wow, I'm really proud of this. Or was there, is, has there been sort of like a, you know, a big moment for you in your career where you're kind of like, wow, this is, you know, this is awesome. Like whether it was, you know, might've been something where, you know, you broke some news and it showed up on MMA fighting. Would, would that be something like that? It probably I'd say breaking news is what allowed me to make even more uh journalistic connections because those are important for me uh journalistic connections i mean the the fans of the sport are great uh i have a lot of those on instagram that are diehard uh ufc and mma fans so those are great but i feel like breaking the news has kind of given me a little bit more respect i guess in in the mma industry so i'd probably say that and then being credited by ariel and um mma fighting mma junkie and all those uh so yeah i'd probably say that but for me personally i get a bigger satisfaction 
out of doing the fighter interviews. I just really enjoy yeah. doing that because not only am I a fan of the sport, I'm a fan of them as well. And it's just cool to get them to open up about their lives and, and, and whatnot. So the, that for me personally, I enjoy a lot more. Breaking news is actually quite stressful because you have to kind of track and make sure that it's correct. And then if somebody denies it, you have to stick to your guns and then the truth comes out and then all that. It's kind of like a pain, especially that it ruins my, my sleep 100% because then instead of sleeping, I'm just like anxious and worried about following up on stuff. So yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's, again, it's the toughest job in the industry. I mean, I, I don't envy anyone who has to, if their sole purpose is breaking news. See, it's good with you because you do kind of a mix, but I mean, there's yeah. people that, that all they do is breaking news and it's like, ah, oh, man, I don't, I do not wish that at all. Cause you know, you got to worry about managers and promotions and, and all that. So it's a, uh, it, but again, you know, you get the credit, then, you know, you're, the, you're that much cooler. Um, we've got about uh, 15 minutes left here on the show. We did actually start a little bit late, so maybe we'll extend it 16 minutes perhaps. Uh, but uh, we, we do have, we do have a question here in the chat and uh, it, it's from uh, stone Osborne here. Uh, who's, uh, you know, been watching the show a lot. He asks, uh, have you ever had an interview start bad and get worse? How do you rebound once a negative uh, precedent has been set? Have you ever had a difficult interview where the follow-up was much better? Okay. So those are two separate questions but I'll start with the first. Um, yes, I've had, I've had a real, I had one where, um, I, some people know the story, maybe they don't. Um, and you definitely don't know the story, so you'll get a kick out of it. So I'm interviewing a regional fighter here in Canada. And, um, I'd, I, I tried to interview him before because I had interviewed this other fighter who was talking a lot of crap about him saying, you know, he's ducking fights and all this stuff. So I had the one fighter on fighter was talking a lot of crap. I tried to reach out to the other fighter. He never got back to me. And then I ended up interviewing that fighter, uh, you know, like we're saying like a couple months later. So we do the interview literally beforehand because I do video interviews. You know, I get a little bit of back and forth before we start the interview, you know, making sure everything's set up and, you know, how's it going, all this stuff. So everything's fine. So in my head, I'm thinking before before we're going to do this interview, everything's cool. I was wrong. I go and start the interview. First question I ask is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Here I have such and such. He's fighting such and such uh, for this promotion on whatever date. And how are you today? I'm good. By the way, I saw your interview where you were saying that I was ducking these fights and blah, 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 and blah, blah, all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second here. I First off, I didn't say that. So like this happens out of the blue and there's nothing I can do. And yes, I can edit my interviews, but I, I felt it was important for people to see this interview, uh, you know, to see sort of what happens. And uh, so this guy basically got mad because I had someone on that was talking badly about him. And he just, because I guess he couldn't get to that fighter, he wanted to blame me and said that I was saying this, which I wasn't. I was just asking my questions fighter was saying whatever i mean i gotta let the fighter speak so this all happens and uh and you know i'm kind of like crap what am i gonna do here so i immediately step in and i say look like you know just so we're clear here i didn't say any of that this you know this other person did and he's like oh you know it was so disrespectful why didn't you call him out on it and whatever and it's like well i don't know like if he's saying this i have to take him for whatever he's saying whatever so anyways long story short we ended up doing the interview it was not very good. Um, you know, I, I felt like I did turn it around just with the fact that I was able to sort of deflect and tell this guy the truth, which was, hey, um, you know, I didn't say any of this. This was someone else who did this. And uh, and, and that's that. And, uh, you know, we you know, we did the interview or whatever. And it's funny because when I posted the interview, I had so many people message me saying what a jerk that guy was. You know, how could he do this? You know, he should appreciate the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. On this. So from that sense, it was actually good. And I don't know if I still have that interview on my channel. I may have deleted it. I hope. I can't remember. I have to look. I, I literally have almost like 2000 uh, videos on my channel. So I'd have to go search through it. But it was a couple of years back. But that was an example of where I had to, to do that. Now, do you have a story like that? Because uh, I imagine, uh, you know, you, you seem, uh, you know, seem like no one would really give you a hard time. Not not while I'm with them on the phone. I've gotten a couple of people that didn't like the way I phrased things. So after I published the article, so now I'm focusing a lot on putting them out on audio. But before when I transcribed 
everything. Uh, yep. They didn't like the way I went about certain things, and mm -hmm. it would be more like it's it's a factual thing that I'm saying, but they don't they didn't like the way I phrased things. So I'd get a message from them, and they'd be like, "Like that's not cool the, that you said this." And I'm just like, "All right, like I have no problem with it. Like if you want me to, rephrase, I'm like I didn't mean it like that. I meant it like whatever, like that." And and they, I'd change it for them because I'm like I don't want to upset them at the end of the day. If they're making me change something completely, like uh, like if they gave me a great piece of information, then that's different. But like they just the phrasing they didn't like, and it's more like factual something to do about a loss that they had, like a fight that they lost or a fight that they got knocked out in, and it's like. Because when you're doing these pieces, not everybody's going to know who that person is or who their opponent is. So I have to give a backstory and be like, in their last fight, that happened. But then they rebounded or whatever. And they don't like that. And it's like, all right, I'll change it for you. Um, but I know a lot of journalists kind of carry that chip on their shoulder where they don't like to be told what to do. And they yeah. get extra stubborn about it. Like, you're not going to tell me how to write and, and speak and whatnot. I don't have that. Uh, I do kind of like to make the the fighter or the person I'm talking to comfortable because at the end of the day, like you said before, I don't I don't want to burn bridges or, or upset anybody. And obviously, my intention was like it's not like I said he got knocked the hell out. Like I didn't say it like that, but like yeah, yeah. I put it in a way that they, they just didn't like it, so I changed it. And I'm yeah, like, you know what? You, you brought up something very interesting, which we haven't talked about on the show before, but that has happened to me before where, you know, I did an interview and, and someone didn't like what was said. And granted, I do a lot of, you know, video stuff. So, I mean, really, they can't say anything unless they specifically said after the interview, hey, can you cut that part out or whatever? Then, you know, I'm going to leave it in because, I mean, you know, you said it. It's not like I, you know, created what else. So I've, I've had two instances where this has been interesting. Um, I had one where, uh, you know, a fighter did an interview and then, uh, and I didn't even provoke them. They just after they're like, yeah, I want to fight this guy next. So did the interview, put the interview up, put in the title of the interview, blah, 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 talks about this and wants to fight such and such next. And they, they you know, they got all mad because they're like, oh, I don't want the focus to be on the other fighter. And I'm like, well, you said this, like, it's not, it's not on me. You know, like it's like, if you hadn't said it, or if you say, if, if someone says directly after the interview, like, Hey, I didn't mean to say that. Can you take that part out? Fair enough. But if you're waiting till it's published and you know, you know what you said, like, come on. Like, so yeah. I, I see, I see both sides of it because I think if you're doing your job, if you're asking legitimate questions and they give you something that's not even remotely controversial, you should keep it in. If someone tells you to take it out, I think generally you should keep it in. Now, I had an instance where a fighter uh, was talking about uh, their visa status and uh, they didn't want it to be public information. And, you know, I, I put the video out and they said it and they realized it after. That's different. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Yeah, so there, there's yeah. something different there. So I had no issues doing that. But in general, I think it's a, a good, uh, you know, sort of point to, to make sure that, um, you know, you keep stuff in. Now, again, Again, if I, that that fighter I just mentioned, where they said, "Hey, you know, I don't want to talk about the, this other fighter," it was up for a bit. I I was polite about it. I did end up doing it just because it's like you know whatever. But you know, part of me kind of wishes I didn't. But here's the other thing: it's like now I know that like I'm not going to make a big effort to interview this person. Yeah, going forward because I mean, you, you fight for God's sakes. It's like you're really this concerned about uh, you know someone else finding out or whatever. Like, I'll tell you one thing I don't like is when an interview is posted and uh, someone's calling out another fighter. You tag that other fighter on social media. I don't like that. I don't. I don't subscribe to that. And I think even I, I, was, I was about to tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. So so that that's something I can understand. But I think if if you say something, and it's within reason of you know a regular interview. I just don't see the reason to, to kind of go and change it. And again, you're going to be controlled by, by people if you start doing that. So I agree with you. There, there's definitely a fine line, but you have to find that fine line and figure out what you think is ethical and what isn't. And if, you know, I mean, there's certain journalists, you know, we you know who they are, certain sites that, that really are digging for that, you know, that click. 
clickbait but it's like a story and you know, talk about the fight and talk about other cool stuff and i'm not here to make any enemies but it's got to be within reason I, I think you agree on that yeah 100 because another problem that i have is predictions so when i do these like live videos on instagram cause like i said i don't know who's watching them and and yeah. it's the craziest thing because i've got a lot of fighter wives siblings managers strength and conditioning nutritionists that that are watching this and obviously i don't know because like the name is just a regular name and I get a lot of people asking me, like, who do you think is going to win? And I'm like, I don't know who's watching this. Maybe nobody, maybe a couple of people. But, like, I don't want to say, like, give, like, my full analysis because I don't want to burn bridges. So one thing that I have refrained from, like, recently is predictions. I like to give a breakdown how yeah. this person can win and that person can win. But I don't like giving a prediction because I remember one time this specific person was asking me so many questions. He's, like, so random, like, what do you think of blah, blah, blah? And I'm like... Oh, he's good. He's on a nice run, blah, blah. Thank God I said everything positive. And then he goes, yeah, because I'm a strength and conditioning coach. And I'm just like, like, well, this is almost like a trap, you know? Like, imagine if I said something like, I don't know, like something negative or something not nice. And I'm just like, I, it's just almost like a trap because you don't know who's watching. You don't want to say something. Like, I don't like to be one of these journalists or whatever that, that really says negative things about this person. Like, this person should shut up. Like, he doesn't deserve a title shot. And I've seen a lot of people do that, like recently with the Cody TJ thing. And I'm just like, what? Like, why are you talking crap about Cody? Or why are you talking crap about yeah, TJ? It, like, at the end of the day, like, these are top-ranked bantamweights. You can understand both their sides. Like, obviously, Cody is not going to say no to a title shot. Like, is he going to tell the UFC, no, let me build my way back up. Don't give me a title shot. And you can understand TJ's point. Like, I want to train. Like, I'm fighting a top-ranked guy. I just had a son, like I, I, want, I want a proper training camp or whatever. And you get these journalists that are being, accept the fight, like you don't deserve the fight. Like, yeah. I don't know. What, and I, I find that a little strange. I'm like, to each their own, to be honest. But like, I wouldn't do that. Like, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't agree with that. I'll, even if deep down inside, I really feel something, I'll just keep it to myself, to be honest. Or yeah. I could say there are nicer ways to go about it. Well, we're all fans of the sport, but you have to separate that if you're working in the industry because you don't want to come across as biased. And I do see some journalists yeah. that will tag fighters and will say, you know, such and such quit. Like you can't, uh, you just, you can't do stuff like that, especially if you want to cut, if you're a fan and you're identifying yourself as a fan, you can say whatever you want. Unfortunately, that's the world we live in. You can say the, the most vile. I mean, you're going to lose a lot of integrity if you go out there and start tagging fighters and taking sides and you should always be objective. I mean, there's fighters and I'm sure you have this too, where, you know, there's fighters I'm, I'm, I'm friends with, you know, that, yeah. that, you know, I talk to outside the, you know, the interview and things like that. But I try not to show that on, on camera because you don't want to be biased or influenced and you don't want people to, to think you're favoring a certain person. And, and I'm with you on the picks thing too. Like um, one of the things I get roasted for, and, and I knew this, you know, going in is I do the, the prospect rankings for flow combat and I get managers and everyone, you know, this and that saying, how can you put this person at this thing and what i tell them simply is look like I, and, and i know i'm going to get backlash because everyone wants to be number one on the rankings of course i say email me and we'll do it in private and we'll talk about it i'm not going to argue in public because it's just not necessary and you know with social media anyone can take what you say and twist it however they want to twist it and it's just better to, to leave that all behind closed doors so uh so yeah it's sort of the same thing that, that we all kind of uh kind of face here um we've got about four minutes left about four or five minutes left um i wanted to, to ask you you know i'm sure you have people reaching out to you especially as a female covering the sport um what's one of the questions you sort of get asked the most uh just from people that that might be uh, interested in your work uh, i get a lot of people asking me like how how to start in this and the funny thing is i don't really have a concrete answer of what the best way is to start i always tell them you have to be passionate you have to put the the hours in i'm like you have to put get that sorted first if you're willing to do that then 
you can start off. I'm like, start off in any way, honestly. I'm like, any, I'm like, build your social media, uh, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever way you want to go, uh, build connections, uh, talk to fellow journalists and, and analysts and reporters, and just kind of build your way from there. Because if I look back at the way I started, I can't pin like point at one thing and say that was it. You know, I started mm-hmm. with Instagram and I just used that to, to kind of get a couple interviews and then I brand, built my Twitter and I understood that building my Twitter was a lot more important than Instagram because Instagram I'm behind a, a, a UFC updates page people don't know who I am before there wasn't the whole video feature and swipe up and all that stuff it was just purely pictures videos there's copyright issues with videos so I don't post videos uh, it's purely just uh, images that that I always credit and source so um so yeah I had to build I use Instagram to build my Twitter. And once I built my Twitter, that's helped me build my Instagram a lot more. So they kind of go hand in hand. But I get a lot of people asking me how, how to be a fighter. And I'm like, oh, I'm afraid <laughs> I can't help you with that. Uh, they ask me like, "Is do you know anybody that can get me in the UFC? And I'm just Oh, like, I, get, I get that a lot. I, I had someone the other day ask me, um, hey, do you, do you know how I can get this fighter on this card? And I'm like, no, like, dude, read. Like it was on Facebook too. And I said, like, go to the about section. Clear as day, MMA journalist. Nothing to do with matchmaking. Nothing to do with promoting. Like. Come on, you got to You got to you, know, you got to read that stuff. So, I mean, even even I get this, too. Um, one thing we, we kind of talked about a little bit on here and I wanted to see if there's anything else that uh, you kind of noticed. But what are some mistakes you see people making as far as, uh, you know, things that you've noticed that you feel like eh, you probably shouldn't be doing that? Uh, in terms of uh, fellow journalists and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Just whether it's, you know, stuff on social media or maybe the ways people are posting their content. Like, is there anything that you see as mistakes that you see people making that you're like, you know, I like that, that you wouldn't do? Well, the thing we talked about before, the whole bias thing, um, yeah. just uh, kind of taking sides and uh, defending like one fighter a lot. Because I get carried away sometimes by, by doing that. And I notice that I'm doing that and I stop, but never to the extent where I'm trashing somebody else. It's more like I, I'll say, like, I understand why that fighter is doing that. And I'm like, why am I even doing that? Like, this isn't even um, a discussion panel or anything like that. But yeah, avoid, avoid being biased, taking sides. Of course, you're going to have favorites. Of course, you're going to have people that you talk to uh, that have helped your career as a journalist, as certain fighters that have really helped you because they're good interviews and they spread it out and whatever. But yeah, definitely don't pick sides or show any bias. Don't. Um, some people may ask others to kind of retweet their work and, and, and stuff like that. I've noticed. Oh, that. I talked about this on here. I don't. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like asking asking people to to spread your work and stuff like that because. Another thing is like people asking you like, I don't know about this. Like I'm not going to say that this is wrong or anything, but people asking you like, how do you interview, like how do you get contact with this person and that person and that person? And sometimes if it's the manager, then that's fine. But if it's my own personal way, how do I know that that fighter is going to appreciate me? Giving uh, up the contact info. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's, contact that's a big thing too. Yeah. I, I get that every now and then. And it's like, look, I'll give them the, you know, the manager. I'll say, Hey, hit them up on Facebook. Like yeah. you're putting yourself at risk. If the person does a bad interview, it's, and I get random people doing this. It's like, are you nuts? I don't even know you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's like the manager's one thing. Cause he'll handle that. But like, for me personally, I have a lot of fighters numbers on my contact list a lot. And I don't like to text them because I don't know, like, I, I think maybe texting is a little personal. I still insist on social media. And the problem with social media is not everybody checks it all the time. And they go, why didn't you text me? I was like, well, whatever, like, it's okay. But I prefer not to, to text, like, me personally. I don't, nothing to do with, 
I don't know. I may get backlash for saying this, but like may, maybe as a, as a female, there's a line I have to draw that's different than, than being a male journalist where maybe if I was a male journalist, I'd be completely okay with texting, fighting stuff. But I do try to keep that fine line of professionalism as a female journalist where I'm not going to pick up the phone and just directly call or start texting fighters and stuff. I'm like, there's social media for that if I want to have a discussion. I do have tons of fighters numbers, but I don't like to, unless I have to, unless it's like interview time or they specifically tell me, text me, then that's different. But I don't like to text fighters. And I know text is so much easier and I will get my answer right away and I don't have to stay up those extra hours, but I still go for the social media route always. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. I actually think that texting isn't, well, personally, and again, I'm a male in, in this industry, so maybe I look at it yeah. a little bit differently, but I think texting is actually better because it's usually faster because a lot of times media, um, yeah, like, like kind of you were saying, it's not bad. But one thing I do agree with you on, and this is something we talked about last or last week I talked with uh, Nolan about is I don't add uh, people to Facebook at all because again, that's kind of personal unless I, unless it's someone I know really well, like whatever, but I, I generally don't go out of my way to add fighters because, and even though if I added the fighter and I sent them a message, message boom it's completely set but some people i just know how they are facebook's a little bit more personal you know they have photos of their kids and stuff like i can understand them not wanting me to see that part of their life so it's interesting you say that so i kind of treat what you said about texting about adding people to facebook but i think texting's uh you know i I don't think it's a huge deal but again um i have that's the thing like i don't want to get backlash over this because that's just it's something that i create in my head like i'm sure if i text a fighter they're not even going to care but that's just something i create and that's a boundary because like I like physically covered a couple of events at Brave Combat Federation and like MMA is such a male dominated sport. So it's like 85% of the time or 90% of the time, it's me as this one girl roaming around and there's like, God knows how many guys, like the, the, the fighters, the, their coach. And I'm just sitting there and, and like, I like to keep my distance. And like, I'm not like, I don't know these people. They don't know me. We may have interacted, but they don't know me personally. Yeah. Uh, like in that way, I like to keep things naturally. If they're natural, that allows me to be natural. But then I don't know how to read. Like people face to face could be different than when you're texting, right? So I think we were getting at here. If if I can, sorry to interrupt, but I, yeah, you know, guys that are trying to make uh, cross, cross that. Uh, professional line and and you know maybe trying to hit on you or whatever like as a woman that's unfortunately always going to be a factor with you know males because we're idiots and you know it's just the way we're programmed i guess so some you know if if you're a fighter though you should respect that line uh you know male female whoever um you know it should be like that but i i i I now understand what you mean a bit more about that now because that makes sense and again, I'm saying that that's just because I don't want like other female journalists being like, there's nothing wrong with that. I am not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just no, saying it's, it's I your prefer personal it thing. that yeah. way. Yeah, I no, prefer no, it that way just to keep a professional line. So I'm just personally not a fan of like getting that phone and texting them and stuff like that. I'm like, they're not like, I don't know. But that's just me personally. Like maybe yeah, no, in the no, future no, if no. I ever. Yeah, yeah. So it's just uh, a thing for me. That, But of course, texting is a lot easier because everybody's got their phone next to them as opposed to Twitter or, or Instagram even. Fair enough. Um, last question. And again, we're over a little bit, but I wanted to know this before I let you go. What is the, 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 you know, sort of the, the perfect job for you? What's sort of the, what would be sort of the career highlight as far as uh, whether it's in this industry or it's, you know, maybe working in the NBA, like what, what, what's the dream job for you right now? Or are you living the dream job right now? Uh, well, I am in the process, I say of, of living the dream job. I would want to, I guess, eventually work for, for uh, a major, like may, maybe like an actual, like, get paid for what I do, uh, have, um, 
a job where I get to fly out to events and cover them and then stuff like that. Preferably not with the struggle of the whole time difference and all that kind of thing. Have just things a lot more professional. I mean, that's been one of my goals for this year. Uh, just like pin down everything like in terms of my interviews and everything that I do, just step everything up just a notch in terms of professionalism. Cause I do, I feel like I've built the contacts and then the connections and all that, but I just feel like it's time to take things to, to the next level in terms of professionalism. Cause I guess, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, some fighters pay attention to that. Uh, they, some, some of them will ask me a lot of questions like, who are you? Where do you write? What do you do? And kind of stuff. And then I'll get no answer after that. So that means they didn't like what I said. So uh, I feel like I'm just stepping up things to the next level. Uh, hopefully right for some major MMA site would probably be my next goal. Excellent. Well, uh, Farah, I want to thank you so much for coming here on the program. I can't believe how quickly this hour just flew by uh, talking uh, talking shop here. And, and I, I can't wait to see what's next for you again. I'm so happy to get you on here now before you you know become a big deal, because I, I really feel like you and, and Nolan and a few of the other journalists are really going to make it big. So uh, so I was great. Happy to have you on here. I uh, just remind people where they can uh, get a hold of you on social media um, and, and anything you got coming up this week for the Sports Journal or any of the, the interviews you got. By all means, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah, on Twitter, you can find me on Farah underscore Hanoon. So it's F-A-R-A-H underscore H-A-N-N-O-U-N on Twitter. Uh, on SoundCloud, uh, Farah dash Hanoon, you can find a lot of my interviews there. Uh, Sports Journal, you can just search for me with by my name or you'll find uh, on my Twitter as well. I post all my interviews there. Uh, on Facebook, uh, I've got my UFC page at UFC News Alerts on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to stay up to date with everything, then and you don't like to read, and you don't like Twitter, that's an outlet for, for you, I guess. Excellent. And uh, for those uh, who are checking out my stuff, as always, it's uh, at Lynch on Sports. And I got a bunch of stuff for this uh, Saturday's card here, uh, UFC 221. I just interviewed both headliners yesterday over on Fanside, uh, Luke Rockhold, Yael Romero. And then here on Fightful, I've got uh, an interview with Curtis Blades. I did way, uh, you know, a couple weeks back. So he sort of talks about his training camp and all that. Of course, you got the pros picks videos and always lots of great content up on Fightful.com. And we will be back here next Thursday, business as usual for the MMA industry podcast. And uh, once again, I want to thank uh, Farah for coming on the show and we'll see you next thursday thanks for watching enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.